following was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated in Memphis, Tennessee. Hello, my name is Rick Cheddar, and this is From Radioland. Greetings, salutations, hello, hey, how's it going? Welcome to another episode from Radioland, from the home office in Memphis, Tennessee. This is episode 426. Uh, yes, date of uh, production, the 25th of May. Those of you that are tuned into radio-memphis.com are getting uh, getting the first look once again. Uh, they, <laughs> like last week, hadn't even been available for download, which is weird, but... Uh, well, there it is. Uh, we'll we'll rectify all that. Uh, production schedules being what they are, and life getting in the way, etc., etc., etc. It has been a uh, a busy couple of days here. I know we were talking about maybe doing one thing, but we're going to do something completely different. Uh, I try and keep this thing as fresh as possible because you know sometimes things happen, and and uh, what I had originally planned on talking about, well, is uh, is going to be saved for another time. Uh, because this time out, there's been some things that have happened, and uh, I think it's I think it's worth you know talking about. It's worth mentioning. Uh, however, you may feel about certain things, there are probably some unpopular thoughts that will happen over the course of this episode of the program, uh, such as it is. You know, you can uh, you can drop me a line to bitch, whine, moan if you like. Rick at radio-memphis.com. You can do that. Um, or find me on social media, Facebook or Twitter or wherever, Instagram. <laughs> Just look for me personally, at Rick Cheddar. It's just that easy, R-I-C-C-H-E-T-T-E-R. I try to be accessible. I'm connected probably a little too much at times, but uh, I get it. You know, the connectivity that we all live with, that we deal with, I think has made us more antisocial in a weird sort of way. I think social media certainly has done that. Uh, one of the upsides to all of this is our ability to actually see what is going on in this world and follow things a little closely, sometimes a little too closely. Sometimes it hits close to home, other times not so much. And you do sort of feel like things are happening on the other side of the planet, yet um, it has nothing to do with us. And then uh, sometimes it really does. And then the, the human element comes into play where we're all just sort of or just sort of trying to figure things out. And that's sort of the subject of this program. I'm going to be talking about, as is in a lot of places in the news, or a lot of things in the news, a lot of stories in the news about this, a lot of he said and she said and finger pointing and blaming and you know false information and stuff. We're going to kind of sort it out. We're going to talk about Uvalde, Texas, with a little bit of a personal twist to it. Um not much of one, but it's still, it's a little relatable. And we're going to have a, a, a moment about it. And we're going to talk about it, uh, at least from my perspective. And we'll have a, we'll have a moment, hopefully to think. Yeah, there's, there's a thing about, about stories like this that, that provoke uh, just by their, by their existence. And, you know, we, we, we tend to find ourselves searching for some sort of answers or, or whatever the case may be. And when we do these things, we, uh, we, we try and make sense of the senseless. And um, when you do that, it becomes, it becomes complicated and it gets tangled up into emotions. And we're going to discuss these things, I think. 
It's not going to be as light of a show as we've done in the past. We're going to do our best to uh, try and keep it as level-headed as possible. We search for reason here. If the best thing that I can ever do, well, the only thing that I really want to do, and it is the best thing, if I can accomplish this, that would be for me to impart to all of those that are listening to this, to think, to be reasonable, to find the middle ground yourselves. I'm not going to sit here and tell you exactly the way I think it should be. I may have a suggestion or two, but I am certainly not going to um, tell you how to think. That's up to you. As I said a moment ago, I'll say some unpopular things, and I'll say some things that are contrary to the way things are, it seems, in this world. And be that as it may, we will go through all of this journey together and, uh, and see where we come out on the other side, right? So let's do it. We'll pause here. It'll be brief. We'll be back in just a few moments, and we'll have a chat about the little town of Uvalde, Texas, right after this brief break here from Radioland. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-761-6729. 800-761-6729. That's 800-761-6729. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Uvalde, Texas is a little burg west of San Antonio. It's about 80 miles or so, maybe not even that far. It's, uh, it's you know, part of the San Antonio area, if you will. It's outside of Bear County, I believe. Uh, I grew up in and around that area. I spent my formative years as a youngster in San Antonio, Texas. Went to school there. I was a little kid when my, when my I was born in Louisiana, but um, in Shreveport. And uh, I always have to say that with a little, well, Shreveport, it's like, I know, I know, it's an it's an okay city. It's just uh, it's just sort of funny when you mention it to people from Louisiana. They go, "Oh, that ain't Louisiana, that's Texas," I guess. <clears throat> but uh, I grew up in San Antonio. Went to school, went to elementary school, went to junior high school, went to high school. We well, did some college there. I uh, went to uh, um, you know my higher education was in Seguin, Texas, east of San Antonio, roughly equidistant as it is from Uvalde. I left that state the first time <laughs> at about 1989, I think it was, 88, 89, and uh, embarked on a television career that lasted about six or seven years and then moved back and then left there for good about 1997, I think is when it was. It's when I wound up here in Memphis. I still have family in Texas. My sister and her family, uh, they're outside of a little town called Buda, Texas, B-U-D-A. You'd think it's Buda, but it's Buda. It's near a little area called Kyle, Texas. 
Uh, Wimberley, Texas is all in that area. It's just outside of Austin, Texas is really where all that is. Um, my father lives uh, in Canyon Lake, Texas, just outside of San Antonio. Um, not terribly far from New Braunfels, if you know that area. Um, he spent his his career, the business that he built on his own as, uh, as a self-employed man in San Antonio as a structural engineer. And uh, so when we were young, of course, we, we traipsed all over that area. We were, uh, Texas is big. There's the hill country. There's the, the valley. There's the, the, on the way to Corpus Christi down onto the beach, uh, onto uh, uh, South Padre Island, which is way south, not terribly far from Brownsville area. Um, so yeah, all over the state was, was sort of our playground. And, and one of those towns that I would, I'd been several times with friends and relatives and whatnot. We went to the town of Uvalde and, uh, nowadays it's grown some, it's about what? 40,000 people, I guess. Um, it's, you know, primarily, a you know, an agrarian area. There's a lot of farms down there, a lot of ranches, uh, a lot of folks that work the land in one capacity or another. You're close enough to the big city, but away from it to feel decent. It's what it is. It's it's that small town America thing. And it is, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's a lovely little town. Lots of mesquite trees there. Um, the, the land is, as you, it's, as you go into the valley, what they call the valley, which is, you know, they, they grow a lot of things down there and there's a, uh, like I said, a lot of agriculture and, and the valley is gorgeous. It, it's going to, it's kind of a scrub brush and mesquite. It seems sort of like hostile environment, but it's not really, it's dusty, it's hot, it's a bit dry, but it's close enough to the big city where, you know, kids that grow up there. And Uvalde always had the opportunity to head over to San Antonio, and then a lot of those kids that that uh, grew up and headed for uh, you know lives outside of that town, maybe off to school at uh, at the University of Texas in Austin or elsewhere. Some of them came back to take on the family job, and some stayed. Some did their thing, got married and settled down, and had families of their own. These are the people that I knew. These are the these are the people that I that I'd worked with. I have. I have quite a few friends that 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 uh, that still live there. Uh, a very good friend of mine, Tom Castaños, is a uh, a gentleman that I spent time with when uh, when he and I worked together at the NBC affiliate there in San Antonio. And at the time, it was known as KMOL. Now I think it's WOAI Television. Uh, he and I worked together in the production department. Had a grand time. Still stay in touch with him. He's out of the business. He now works uh, for the. Uh, the parks, uh, the, the, he's a federal employee, so that, you know, it's the U.S. Forestry, the U.S. Parks Commission, something along those lines. He gets to wear the, the uniform, the old smoky hat. You know, he's just, he, he loves it out there. And he knows that area probably better than anyone I've, uh, that I've ever known. <coughs> I have not talked to him since the recent events. And I mention all of this because Uvalde makes the news because some, some kid, some 18-year-old kid, for whatever unknown reason, a screw loose, a blown fuse, whatever his problem, busted spring, the cheese sliding off the cracker, whatever euphemism you want to do, 
uh, and has, from what I know, has on his 18th birthday purchased a couple of assault guns, assault rifles, took one of them and a pistol to Rob Elementary, R-O-B-B, Rob Elementary School. He wasn't going to graduate from high school in Uvalde. Not quite sure why. He was a troubled kid. His name's Salvador Ramos. And people will say, oh, why you got to glorify the guy? I'm not glorifying anything. I'm just telling you the facts. Too many people get worked up in, you know, stupid shit like that. I'm not glorifying anybody. I'm just telling you a fact that his name, Salvador Ramos, who the governor of the state of Texas, Greg Abbott, can't pronounce correctly. He calls him Romus. I, I don't know if it's dyslexia, if it's him being a racist or an idiot or whatever the problem is. Salvador thought, for some unknown reason, that uh, he'd have to kill somebody. So he shot his grandmother in the head, killed her. And then apparently, apparently, sent a message via social media or text message or private message or DM or whatever to a friend and said, just sought my grandmother in the head, going to go shoot up an elementary school. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what some of the stories I've seen have him saying. And uh, he went. He went into a single classroom and opened fire. 22 people are dead, including him. I'm counting him as one of his 21 victims. Two adults, 19 children. Actually, there's more than that. It's a third adult, his grandmother. Two teachers and 19 children. This is this is the problem that I'm having with this. You think, well, oh, well, it's a school shooting. It happens all the time. You, you should be desensitized by this by now, they'll say. And I'll say, no, I should not be. Nobody should be desensitized to this. This is sick. This is something that is uniquely American. This was such a horrific scenario that the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, stopped what he was doing. He's in the middle of a war with Russia to say that his condolences were being sent from his country to the people of Uvalde, Texas. You have to imagine that outside of this country, the people that look over here as the land of hopes and dreams and guns, that they must shake their heads with, you know, puzzlement. They're baffled by the fact that that these people here in this country like to shoot each other. More specifically, this dumbass who shot 19 children. And when I say this, when I say 19 children, I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to, I want you to let it, I want you to let it soak in. These are difficult words to say, and I know they're difficult to hear, but they have to be said. 19 children, ages 10 and under. Is it the most horrific? No, not by not by a stretch. We've had worse. Uvalde is one of those towns where 
People don't didn't lock their doors, you know. Everybody was friendly. Everybody was just living their life in the idyllic small town USA, any town USA. They would look at the news and shake their heads at things that that they would see happening in other places. School shootings, Sandy Hook, Parkland, other places, Aurora, the, the list is endless. And the people that live in Uvalde that would watch the news or read of the stories of these things and they would say, oh, this is awful. This, this is, this is horrific. Thank God I live in a town where something like this would never really happen. It did. It sure did. May the 24th. That's when it happened. And, uh, they killed, the dude killed, not they, he, one man. Well, you could say they if you want to get into some of the political end of this, but I'll save that for later. This man, Salvador, shot and killed 19 children. You have to hear that. You have to hear it spoken like that. They were 10. The oldest was maybe 10, maybe 11, 10. These are, these are, these are people that will never grow up. These will people. These are people that will never grow old. These are people who won't go to high school prom. They won't go to high school. They won't get to know the absolute wonderful feeling of freedom the second they get their driver's license and go riding down the road on their own, flying solo, going on that first date, the anxiety that goes with it. They'll never work a job. They'll never go to college, or if they choose not to, they'll never pick up a trade. They'll never assume the family business, whatever it may be. They'll never travel the world. They'll never make new friends. They were 10. Why do you keep saying that? Why do you keep saying they were 10? Because that's important for you to know that. Do you remember... Do you remember when you were 10? I I, re, I remember it. Not very well. I mean, it was a long time ago. I was in elementary school like the rest of everybody else. Reading and writing. It was fourth grade, man. Fourth or fifth grade? Yeah, fourth grade? Yeah. Hell, third and fourth grade. Third and fourth grade. Already terrified about junior high because I'd heard hor- I'd heard horror stories. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we all heard them. Oh, gosh, the junior high kids, man, they're going to beat us up. We were we were more concerned about what we were having for lunch and what we were going to do at recess than what it was like to sit in Mrs. Conley's history class. We, <laughs> we, were, we, we were 10. We didn't think about things about did so-and-so like me or... That I that I like that, or you know, we weren't even you know, we weren't dating. There was none of that. We were too busy hanging out talking about maybe one of the sh- we're talking about an episode of Star Trek we saw the day before, or the cartoons on Saturday mornings. The innocence of it. I remember that. I remember when I look back, and you do too, don't you? You think back about. How innocent we all were as 10 years of age. Baseball cards. 
playing on the street with uh, with you know the neighborhood kids, playing soccer or baseball or whatever it was that we did. Rode our bikes some, never to stray terribly far, of course, because you just didn't do those things. We didn't really have homework. We were we were ten, <laughs> you know. We we spent time doing things like listening to the radio and watching TV and maybe playing around with a comic book. We didn't even know where our butt was, but we were 10. In a few years, we would wind up in high school. Scared shitless thinking about it, but that's where we would be. And then our lives would progress from there. When we were 10, we were glad we weren't in first grade anymore. We started to feel a little bit more responsible. My elementary school uh, went to fifth grade. And after fifth grade, you transferred to the junior high, which is grade six, seventh, and eighth. And then after that, it was high school. I, I don't think it's changed much. I don't have any kids. Um, I, I say all these things because it's important to understand what happened. They were 10 years old and did not expect, nobody did, that they would have to grow up so fast. and they, Well, they didn't. I only imagine that when the situation unfolded, that when Salvador Ramos went into that room, they were all killed in one room, that when he came into the room, I don't know what was said. I don't, you know, I don't know that I want to know. And the, the screaming was probably, was probably not what you'd think. I say that because you ever been around it? Well, I was 10. You, you, you get scared spitless, as they would say. Scared stupid, scared silent. You just stand there. You're, you don't know what's going on. What, what, what is this? What, what are these bangs? What, what am I witnessing here? I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be here in Miss Clarence's class or whatever the case was. And everybody around me is dropping. That's that's what what do you suppose happened in there? I don't know. I think it was just before lunchtime. They were all probably all sitting there thinking about what they were going to have for lunch. Hell, the last day of school is Thursday. This Thursday. They were two days away from ending the season. They were probably, you know how it is, the last week of school. You're not really doing much anything. You're hanging out with your buds and your teachers, and you're just wrapping things up, cleaning out your stuff. You're thinking about all the places you have plans for that you're going to do this summer. Your parents are talking about maybe going to Disney or, hey, I think we're going to load up and head down to the beach for a week or so. Memorial Day is right around the corner. My father makes the best barbecue. You know, that kind of thing. Those kind of conversations were being had, and they were taken away. Those children were robbed. They were robbed by not just one man, Salvador Ramos. They were robbed by the system. They were robbed by a government that failed them and, frankly, failed Salvador himself. I mean, you can sit there and go, why? You can sit there and ask why all you want to. You'll never know the answer. You will never know 
that answer. He's dead. Cop shot him in the head, blew his head off. It's the only way to stop him. You'll never know why, so quit asking that. Don't sit there and shake your head and go, what a shame. Well, we're kind of all to blame now, aren't we? Oh, why you say that? Texas had uh, recently had this this uh, notion of uh, constitutional carry. The Second Amendment is your right to carry a, a gun around. Don't need no school and don't need no training. You got a pistol, put it on. You can carry it wherever you want to go. Just can't take it to federal buildings. That's the only thing that they ask you to do. <clears throat> and they're saying, "Oh, there should have been there should have been security there." It's a school. Somebody shared a photograph not long ago on uh, Facebook. It's a picture of a guy in some sort of a uniform strapped across his chest is some sort of an assault rifle. He's wearing body armor, boots, the whole deal. He's a young dude. And the caption to that photograph said, I sure am glad I can send my kid to school with this guy in the hallway. He was being dead serious. That is, this is, this is how you feel about this? Is this what you, is this what you want? I cannot imagine what it must be like to have to go through an active shooter drill on school. We had tornado drills. That and duck and cover. (laughs) If I were you, and I'm not, if I were you and I had a kid, of which I don't, and that kid is attending public school, This would be the last year that would happen. We've often made (coughs) jokes about such things. We would say, well, at least during the pandemic, there were no school shootings because the schools were closed. Guess what happened? Your your kid survives a year. I'd I'd be home. I'd be homeschooling like a mother. I just just bring those kids home. Let's worry. We can't afford to do that. It takes two of us to it takes two of us to have the income to manage the lifestyle we have. We got this kid, we can't we can't do that. Who's gonna look at who's gonna bring in the money? Look, you love your kid or you love your money. Sacrifices sometimes have to be made. Tough ones. You wanna save your kid's life? It's like it's like being around a bunch of anti vaxxers that don't want their kids inoculated against whatever. Sorry, Junior, but you're not going to grow up either, so we're, we're going to be fine with that. Don't worry about that polio. This is like, this is like the worst nightmare. And, yeah, we've, we've gone through a, a lot of these. And why am I focusing on this? Well, firstly, I've been to Uvalde several times. Beautiful town. Beautiful people. They don't deserve this. Nobody does. Nobody needs to have this. But this one hits home a little harder because I think it was just the the abject terror that these that these children uh, were facing at that moment. And then on top of all of that, on top of all of that, the reports that have been coming out of there were horrific from the journalists themselves who were they couldn't emotionally deal with it. They couldn't deal with this. They couldn't deal with the fact that there were these parents that were there trying to find their child. And when they were told the awful truth of what was going on, they had to come to the realization that the kid that they dropped off at school that day 
was never coming home. They had plans. They had plans for him to grow up or her to grow up and perhaps get married and have a family of their own. To go sample the world and see what it had to offer. Because they were only ten. If you have kids, I would recommend that you spend more time with them and understand that that bond that parent and child have is fragile. It's tenuous at best. To me, one of the hardest things, if not the one of the worst things any parent must do is bury a child, their own. Like I said, I don't have any kids. At least none that I know of. <laughs> Here's your joke. But I couldn't possibly imagine what that must be like. To have to bury your own kid over something dumb like this because the system failed them. The governor of the state of Texas, Greg Abbott, is a madman. I don't think he particularly cares. This whole thing about, oh, well, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be like pro-life, but check out my gun. How does that work? Somebody explain that to me. How does being pro-life and pro-gun work? Aren't they like opposite ends of the spectrum here? Are they opposite ends of the stick? You can't be, you can't be one or, you you can only be one or the other. You can't be pro-life and against abortion because, oh, it's it's murder. But let's make sure an 18-year-old kid has access to an assault rifle and a handgun. Do I have the answers to solve this? No, and neither do you. But what we do have is the ability to talk about it. And that's what this is. That's what this episode was supposed to be about. It's to talk about it. It's uh, it's to say things that are to prompt you into getting involved. Call your, your, your governmental representative, whoever that may be, state level, city level, state level, federal level. Call them. Talk to them. Bitch about them. What are we going to do? Do something. There was a there was a congressman yesterday afternoon or late last late last night I think it was. It was on the floor of one of the one of the houses. I don't remember the guy's name. And he asked, "How long does this have to go on before we do something? Let's do something. What are we going to do? Well, we don't know what we're going to do, but let's talk about it." Sometimes the best solutions come when everybody sits down and talks about it. Well, this wouldn't be such a big deal if the kids were armed or if the teachers were armed. Hey, that's a fabulous idea. Let's just add more guns to the situation. Well, you know, if that 18-year-old kid wasn't allowed to have a gun, he probably would have stolen it from his old man anyway. And yet, if the teacher has a gun and they do something like put it in a drawer and a kid finds it, then what? You know how people are. People are stupid. Even under the best of intentions, people make mistakes. This is the kind of mistake you want to you want to have. You want to you want to you want to move forward with. Are you insane? The notion that we can just solve this with the with the wave of a wand is 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 not going to happen. It's just the reality of it. The point that the Second Amendment has been bastardized to the point. They don't understand that whole well-regulated militia part. To keep and bear arms. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't have those answers. I can tell you that I'm sick of seeing it. I'm sick of hearing about it. I'm sick of even talking about it. But it has to be dealt with. There are things in this world that we are all having to deal with that we don't really need to. We don't want to. We shouldn't have to, but we do. An 18-year-old kid went to an elementary school and killed 19 kids. The oldest around 10. Quit saying that. No, I'm not. I'm not. And neither should you. You know, what maybe a start is let's let's get rid of the assault rifles. I don't know I don't know why people think think they have to have that. What, what is it? it's it's fear? Is that what is that what this is? What are y'all what are y'all afraid of? What are you, what are you afraid of? Well, it's gonna be somebody gonna invade my home. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill. What your shotgun ain't gonna do it? Your pistol ain't gonna do it. You gotta have an assault rifle. Well, they're just fun to shoot. They're badass. Yeah, great. So's a flamethrower or a tank. But are they necessary? No. No, they're not. Hand grenades are fun as hell. Should we have them? No. <laughs> Do we are allowed to? No, we're not. High-capacity magazines and assault rifles. Let's start with that. That's all we're asking for. We're not saying repeal the Second Amendment. Nobody's saying that. Although there's probably a few that would probably say, yeah, let's do it. And perhaps they've got a point there. Other countries have, have, have dealt with their right to bear arms and, and did away with it. Our founding fathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was 200-and-something years ago. Tell me another. How do you think they would feel about all of this? Was it their intention? Of course not. They weren't thinking like that. They didn't know what the future was going to hold for them or or, or what, what this country was going to be like in the midst of all of this. That uh, That's that. I don't have the answers. Neither do you. But the only thing I think we can do is at least try to put our differences aside for a minute and and all agree on one thing, one thing here, that what happened was wrong. We can assign blame all we want to. We can point fingers and demand accountability from those in charge, the the leaders of the states and the the municipalities and the mayors and the legislators and the people up in Washington, D.C. We can point fingers all we want to. But that's that's not going to solve anything. And here's my problem about all of this, about every last stinking bit of this. It's that in in a few days time, once we've gone through the media frenzy, the whole thoughts and prayers thing, which if you really are that's thoughts and prayers, just take that cram that square up your ass. We've been thinking and praying a long time and none of that's done anybody any good. And then the conspiracy theories, already seen a handful of those. Some of them are just too stupid to get into. It's a false flag designed so that Biden can take your guns. No, bullshit. Stop it. Media frenzy. The blame game. The conspiracy theories. It dies down. It's back to normal. And then it'll happen again. And we'll all stand around going, oh, what a shame. This is awful. Who, who would do such a thing? Why, why is this happening? Why were they shooting these children? What was going on? 
Why won't anybody do anything about it? I don't know how many people, I don't know. You tell me how many, how many people have to die? And I'll say this. I think it's an incredibly poor taste that the National Rifle Association is having a convention in Houston, Texas this very weekend. Yeah. What, three, four days after the after the after the shooting, they're having a fucking convention. The NRA, the National Rifle Association, having a convention about five hours away from one of the deadliest mass shootings this country has has witnessed and the horrificness of it. Nineteen children. 10 years of age, died because they had to protect that right to get that motherfucking gun. Yeah, it's sick, isn't it? It is absolutely sick. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's think about it. Let's get on the phone. Let's send some emails. Let's let's do something. Instead of standing around going, oh, this is awful. Don't take my gun. It's like a panic thing because there's a chunk, a slice of this country that lives in abject fear of, of what? I get these people jumping at their own shadow. It's an awful way to live with that kind of fear. I don't know how some of y'all do it. I really, really don't. And if that's the case, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Because they're saying, oh, I'm just going to go move to a little town. Ain't another shit going on. <laughs> yeah, Tell that to the people that are from Uvalde, Texas, where it did happen. You can't escape it. Nobody can. This was every parent's worst nightmare. This is a lot of civilians, uh, people's worst nightmare. These are people, there are people out there like myself that don't have any children who consider this a bad nightmare. Yeah, well, spend some time with your kids. Hug them. Tell them that you love them. I guess teach them how to hide. Teach them some self-defense. Like, I don't know. What, what do you, they're 10. They're more interested in what Spider-Man is doing than, than any of this. You know, my man over here wearing a Batman shirt because that's all he cares about. He didn't get this grown-up shit. People wonder why these kids, they they come out of school and they're chain smoking and they're drinking and they're doing all this other, all these other things because they're under stress. They haven't had a chance to be a kid. Well, there's 19 of them now that'll never get that chance. So whose hands is the blood on? Sadly, it's all of us. Hi, this is Reverend Oma with the Broom Closet Metaphysical Shop. We have a huge selection of spiritual supplies and gifts for whatever your path or practice. We stock hundreds of gemstones and specimens and carry a variety of beautifully crafted gemstone jewelry starting at just $10. Our talented staff offer tarot readings, aura and chakra analysis, and sound baths. Book your appointment or shop online at thebroomcloisetmemphis.com or visit our shop in downtown Memphis at 552 South Main. Come to the Broom Closet and let us help you light your path. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. Ugh, what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. What are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. It's been a long time since we've had an adventure in the forest. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. You're right. I should get out. Yeah, the forest is not that far away. Hey, Mom! Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
Here's what's coming up on the next episode from Radio Land with Rick Cheddar. Here's a fun little stat for you. 6% of Americans, 6%, okay, that's a very small margin. 6%, it's, <laughs> it's above zero. 6% of Americans think they could beat a grizzly bear in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> oh my God. 6% of Americans think they could go mano a mano with a grizzly bear and come out on top. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are the same people. This is no joke. These are some of the same people who believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. I'm not kidding you. What is it with the Americans? What is it with us? What have we done to ourselves? What what, did, what weird alternate universe did all of a sudden we just show up in? Did you think you can go hand-to-hand with a grizzly bear and come out on top? Are you kidding? You'll be on top of a stack of pancakes. For previous episodes, go to radio-memphis.com. To download episodes to your mobile device, Search the show in iTunes, Player.fm, Stitcher.com, Pocket Cast, or TuneIn. And now, here's more with Rick Cheddar from Radioland. There you go. You've heard what's coming up next time on the program. Um, thank you for tuning in, streaming, downloading, whatever it is you do to get the program. Uh, I appreciate it. I know. I know. Typically, the show is is it's it's different. It's a little, it's a lot more upbeat. Hopefully, next week it, it will. We'll see. Um, I do. I just wanted to spend the time. Uh, with us, even though we went a little bit long, I uh, wanted to spend a little bit of the time to talk about uh, this this thing in in uh, Uvalde, Texas. Um, I think I, I've said all that needs to be said at the moment, and it's for the record. You, you'll be able to go back and listen to it if you'd like. But the point the point being here is that uh, we all bear the responsibility. The old notion of it takes a village is is quite true. And we have to find a way to set some of our differences aside and meet together and agree that the killing is wrong on this. And we got to find a way to stop it. What are those answers? I don't know. I don't believe adding more guns is, is the proper the proper idea to this. And I don't think I want to send my kid to a school that doubles as a prison. I'm dead serious when I when I say if you got a kid in public school, pull him out, man. Get him out of that shit. What do we pay? What do we pay school taxes for? To break to have smarter kids? It's kind of hard to have smarter kids when they're when they're dead. It's kind of kind of hard to to have that when they're preoccupied with how to and they have to go through an active shooter drill. Really? That is, it's a, what, the, what the what the hell? Get them out of that homeschool. Figure it out. You might be thinking, well, I could go to a private school. Do you think that's going to be any different? You really think that's going to be the answer? It's no, it's it's the schools themselves. So one thing in common with all these school shootings that these people have had a desire to go into a school and shoot it up. If you need any, if you need any proof of, of, of that, just look at the pandemic when we were all homeschooling. Well, when you all were all homeschooling, how, how many, how many, how many school shootings, how many kids got killed by other kids? How many? trying to find some reason here. I hope you do the same. So, there you go. I will end this program as I always do, although it may be a little more poignant, if not at least somewhat self-serving. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. And for God's sake, stop shooting each other, all right? I'm Rick Cheddar, and this has been from Radioland. Rick Cheddar from Radioland is produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. 
All music performed during this episode was used by permission. No part of this program can be rebroadcast or used in any other way except by written consent. For more, go to radio-memphis.com. <laughs>